Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future, as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Hello everybody, I am Daphne Kirk from Generation to Generation, and today our guest is Jake McCandless. Now, some of you may have heard him before because he's been on more than once, but Jake, for those who um, this is the first time of meeting you, can you just give a brief outline of who you are, where you're from, and what you get up to these days? Absolutely. Well, always enjoy doing this. Love what you're doing. Uh, whether it's the Radical Lifestyle Podcast or the Iskar Network, just love it. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm in the States. I'm in uh, the middle of the United States in Arkansas. And uh, my, my mission is, is to help people navigate these crazy times that we're in and encourage them to stand firm, uh, lead a ministry called Stand Firm Ministries. And the, the heartbeat is just that, uh, really driven by Matthew 24.10 that says many will turn away. And uh, I think we're, we're seeing that. But I think that is especially talking about a prophetic time that's going to happen. And so if we're seeing it now, uh, what's going to happen then? And so, you know, a lot of folks will say, well, that's scripture says that's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Absolutely. It's what's going to happen. But at the same time, I don't think there has to be as many faith casualties as we see. And so that's my heart is what can we do uh, just to encourage people to hold on to their faith? And uh, that's recently been bleeding into working more with kids and, and the, the emerging generation to borrow from steal from you guys this language and uh, and working with parents. And so I'm excited. I've got a, a podcast coming out for parents uh, because it's been on the defense of just saying, all oh, these things are happening. We need to do something. And so finally, we we decided, hey, let's try to make a positive approach. And so we're really uh, with my book, Jesus and the White Horse, we've got a couple other children's books related to matters of the whole story that's not being told, especially matters of the end of the age. And so, um, so yeah, so when you're talking about standing firm and, and walking through the challenges ahead, uh, then you definitely have to get into what's coming prophetically in scripture. And through all of that, I'm, I'm a pastor uh, here locally where I'm at, Epic Church. And so everything I do, I try to approach from a pastoral mindset. And so that's, that's really the, the heart, my heartbeat is, is to bring that pastoral approach to the end times and, and help us navigate it. And that's what we need, a pastoral approach. Most of us are ready for a pastoral approach. Um, Jake, you also do podcasts yourself. Um, can you just tell us about them? And then we can put a link below and also we'll put a link to where they people can get your books. Absolutely. So the hub for everything is stanfordministries.com. Uh, you can find all of our books, uh, Spiritual Prepper, which was the book that really kicked things off uh, for our ministry, some devotional books, and then the children's book, Jesus and the White Horse, and some other children's ones that are coming out. And so every Thursday night, I do a teaching. We call it just Teaching Stand Firm, live on Facebook, over on the Stand Firm channel, and on YouTube, or our YouTube channel. And then we, we turn around and talk about Talk about that, break that down, and take live questions every Friday at noon Eastern time and what we call talking stand firm. And so and we tried to give a 360 format. And so we're talking, you know, whatever we're talking about, whether it's talking about the, the coming of the Antichrist, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to teach on it, uh, try to keep it within 25 minutes on Thursday night. So it tends to be about 30. And then we'll turn around and uh, take questions and discussions about it each Friday. And then we bring in someone, an expert in the area, of that. And so we do that live uh, 
Facebook and YouTube. And then we have launching just really in the coming weeks here, the first of the year in 2022 is uh, a podcast called Stand Firm Parents. And you'll find that anywhere podcasts are. So really stoked about that. We've done a lot of the recordings and uh, had you and Andrew on as well. And so excited to see, actually, you guys are our first episode. And so excited for that to come out. Good. And I'm, I'm we're excited too, because um, we know that you are a contributor to our uh, in-tribe, our Isica Network tribe of of the emerging generation coming up to prepare them for the days ahead. So we're really partners on this journey and we get to bounce into each other's lives and that is, that's exciting. So we'll put links for all that below and, and really encourage people to jump on board and uh, hear what you're doing and hear what you're saying. So we're going to have a look at this thing called the millennial reign the millennial kingdom the millennial something out there <laughs> so i'm going to start off by throwing the ball into your court and i will jump in from time to time with questions i may have or i think people listening may have but i'm really excited to hear what you have to say about this so jake over to you yeah, well, I, I was thrilled. You you sent me a message asking who would I recommend to talk on the subject. And, of course, I, I listed some names. I, there, there's two favorites that I have, I, I, or three favorites I had. I, I shared those names. And then I put on the bottom what I would love to because I, I love talking about the Millennial Kingdom. To me, it's one of the most exciting aspects and, and should be one of the most motivating aspects of our, our walk with Christ. I, and so I have a, when I began Stand Firm, uh, initially it just began with, okay, we need to prepare. Things are coming. We need to spiritually prepare to, to stand firm in them. And, uh, and so ran out with that for, for a year. And then it began to be convicting. What, what do we need to prepare for? And so I just kind of ran with it. And so it was then there's come back and just really praying over for a period of time. And uh, eventually, the Lord put on my heart a list of 10 things. It's not the end all of all things. It's just the things I was supposed to focus on. And they're, they're all basically negative. These things are, you know, like number one is uh, we just need to understand difficulty happens for believers. Number two, persecution is coming. Number three, the United States as it is is not always going to be the way it is. And the, number four, the church is going to change. It's all, all this negative stuff. And then one in the middle, I think like number seven, is the millennial kingdom is awesome. And so I had this one positive on my list of things to prepare for. It was positive. And that's this millennial kingdom. And so I love the chance to talk about it. And so what I wanted to do was to introduce the subject, but then really try to connect it into just our view of not just in times, but our view of, of the afterlife of heaven and, and really, I think, give a more tangible understanding of, of what this is. Um, and so when you talk about studying prophecy, studying the end times, of course, there's a lot of division. And uh, the division is not necessary, but it is. It's there. Um, and, and there's different hurdles that you have to jump are really different forks in the road to decide which way you're going to go. Uh, the first place, the first decision uh, an interpreter has to make, again, it shouldn't be. It should be we, we read the text, take it for what it is. But we've had, you know, these different camps being built over 2,000 years we've got to work through. And so if, as you begin to start prophecy, the, the first fork in the road, the first division is how do we 
understand the unfulfilled prophecy that was not fulfilled within the time of the canon. Um, so we have prophecies that, of course, were fulfilled already through the life of Christ. Uh, we have others within Scripture, and so they're pretty easy to navigate those because they happened as you know, real time the Bible's being, being written. But what do we do with those prophecies that hadn't been fulfilled yet? Uh, and so the different camps are, you, you have some who, and especially this refers to the book of Revelation, you have the camp who says it's all symbolism. It's just spiritualized symbolism. Um, and that takes different shapes, but basically could be boiled down to that camp. Uh, then, then you have the camp who says, or the preterist camp, who says it all happened in that first century. Um, then you have the historist uh, camp, which is like the preterist camp, but they really give freedom to whatever, whoever you want to attach it in history, but basically it's already happened. Uh, and then the futuristic approach. I mean, and if you're part of the ISCAR network, I mean, I imagine you look at it futuristically. And so that's the first hurdle you come to. And so within the camp of understanding unfulfilled prophecy to be future, and it just sounds stupid for me having to have to make that declarations, but it's, that's there. Um, in the book of Revelation, the next hurdle then becomes, what do we do with the millennial kingdom? There is only one place that talks about the timing of the millennial kingdom, but as we'll see, all of Scripture. I mean, really one of the major themes in Scripture is what happens in that kingdom and what the kingdom is, but we really see only one place that drops this. So millennial is the Latin term for a thousand years. If you read the early church fathers, they'll call it uh, Chileism, uh, which refers which refers to the Greek word for this a thousand year time period. Uh, but I want to go ahead and jump to really the, the foundation point of this, and it's Revelation 20. So the Revelation 20, I think we're seeing in chronological order, especially at this point here in Revelation 19, we see the return of Christ. Uh, we see him defeating the Antichrist, defeating the false prophet. Um, and then we, and so he's won the battle of Armageddon. He's back on earth. He's come on the white horse. The army of heavens come with, with him, uh, which we understand to be especially the raptured and resurrected saints that are here with him. Uh, maybe we throw in some angels as well. And then, <laughs> and then it jumps ahead to what happens next in chapter 20. Uh, verse 1, it says, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, holding in his hand the great a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So that's this is that thousand-year mark that we're, we get the millennial term from. He threw it to the abyss and locked and sealed it over him and to keep him from deceiving the nations until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be set free for a short, short time. I saw thrones in which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads. Uh, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come alive until the thousand years were ended. Uh, this is the first resurrection. Blessed are and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with them for a thousand years. So how many times did I say that that I read a thousand years? We've got one, two, um, three, four. So at least five times in those six verses, 
we read a thousand years. Uh, and so that's the foundation. And so I said, the first hurdle is, you know, are we going to see this futuristic? We're going to see it symbolically when it comes to then within the futuristic camp, when it comes to the millennial kingdom, there's three main views. Uh, one's the all-millennial view, which means no, no millennial kingdom. It just, it, it tends to be those are futuristic folks who take this part uh, as symbolic. Uh, then you have the post-millennial view, uh, which says there's no literal thousand years, but what we're living right now, the church age, following you know, Christ's ascension or Pentecost, that we're in this, uh, which was very popular to World War One and World War Two, and kind of fell out of style as it didn't look too much like the kingdom that was that was promised. And then you have the premillennial view, which just which means Jesus comes and it establishes this literal thousand-year kingdom. It, and so, again, the, the only place we see this thousand-year frame is, is here, kind of, uh, because we also know places like Second uh, Peter 3, uh, we see the, it, the Lord talk about that, you know, to him, maybe a, a day is like a thousand years. And, uh, and, and so we also have this kind of this idea of this po possible uh, sabbatical aspect of, you know, we're looking at the earth right now as possibly 6,000 years old or so, if you hold a young earth earth view, and that the idea is maybe you've got 6,000 years, and then you have a sabbatical thousand years, which matches like the, the week and God's framework. We, we see glimpses of that, but bottom line is, this is the only place we see the thousand years. But the foundation baseline view that really permeates most all of the Old Testament, especially after uh, the time of David. And then we see in the first century, I mean, this would have been the view of the disciples uh, for the, you know, for the most part there. Uh, the Jewish people saw it as you had this age. This age was marked by difficulty. And at some point, the Messiah would come and he would throw off the oppressors. He would restore the kingdom to the glory of David and Solomon, and then he would take it beyond that um, as the empires that ruled over Israel, such as Egypt and Babylon and Syria, uh, Rome, all these things that he would surpass them in the, uh, the size and rule and power of, of kingdom, and that kingdom would last forever. Uh, and so there always had been this understanding of this messianic kingdom. And and that's what the disciples see. That's, that was the problem when Jesus came, is the disciples were like, when you're going to start your kingdom? When's this messianic kingdom beginning? And so it, so when I, we talk about this being nothing new. It's, it's nothing new. This was expected. The surprise comes when John's been given this vision, and he's given this thousand-year period. But it, as you went on and read in Revelation 20, after a thousand years, so Satan's is locked up. He's let loose. Somehow he deceives the nations again. Jesus wins the day again. And then we have this new heaven, new earth, the amazing city of the new Jerusalem comes down. Earth is made like Garden of Eden all over again. And then it talks about God the Father comes and dwells with his people uh, like we saw in the Garden of Eden. Um, and so there always was this understanding of this messianic kingdom. Uh, but there was not this expectation necessarily of a thousand-year period and then a shift uh, to God 
coming, which I think is fascinating uh, in that. But really what pushed me over, uh, because I was, I've been pastor for several years. I was directing, leading a lay seminary, and I was actually teaching through the the Old Testament. And uh, at that time, I would have considered myself almost an all-millennialist, looked at a really symbolic, a lot of the people I was reading at the time. And going through the Old Testament and seeing the emphasis on the covenants and the promises to Israel, there has to be a fulfillment of those things. And the millennial kingdom allows for all of that fulfillment. It allows for the land that was promised to Abraham that's not been fully given to the Jewish people yet. Um, The promise to David that there would be this eternal ruler on the throne, that hasn't happened yet. And so I I really feel like the millennial kingdom is very important. So I really wanted to lay kind of just kind of make sure we're on the same page when we're talking the millennial kingdom. And I want to back up a bit and just kind of give an overview of of what that is. Um, So can I just throw something in there? I'm listening to you obviously. And um, I'm thinking, as we have strayed away from our Jewish roots and the Jewish understanding of the Bible, so we have lost um, the true essence of what Jesus and what the prophets were speaking about, even in the millennial kingdom, because they had this foretaste of it that we as Gentiles haven't had unless we go back and inherit our Jewish roots. So anyway, I just throw that in as a thought I have along yeah, the way. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And, and again, not just end times, uh, no. this permeates, you know, where the afterlife, heaven yeah. for us. And, and what we've done is because of getting away from our Jewish roots, it's been the acceptance of the Greek thought um, uh, about heaven rather than this very real literal kingdom uh, that we see, I mean, if, if you go back in the Gospels, Jesus talked about the kingdom more than anything. Uh, so, of course, read through Revelation 20, so everyone probably picked up the details there, but just kind of give it back up, give us overview of the events that are going to happen. Um, so the end of this age is Jesus returning with the resurrected and raptured saints, him defeating the Antichrist, that battle of Armageddon really is the, the pivotal point. Uh, from that. If we back up from there, the Bible tells us a lot about those final 70 years, Daniel's 70th week. Uh, And so we know about the rise of the Antichrist, the great tribulation against Israel, but ultimately Jesus, and at some point in there, uh, the rapture and resurrection, and the the rapture, of course, being when Jesus appears in the sky before his return, uh, those who have trusted in him who are alive, taken up to him, in the resurrection, those who are dead in Christ in the grave, somehow their bodies are brought up and, and brought back with them. And then he brings us right back down with them. And so this picks up, the millennial kingdom picks up after Armageddon. So you've got all of that tribulation, all of the seals, the trumpets, the bowls that we read about in the book of Revelation has happened. The world is tribulation, war-torn, just in ruins. And so, you know, if you think of a post-apocalyptic movie, you know, think Mad Max or you think whatever movie comes to your mind, that's the world that we're, we're talking about. All these things that's happened. Jesus is back. The Antichrist is defeated. Uh, you, you have remaining Jewish people who have survived. It's not many, but those who have survived, they've come to accept him and, and as, as the Messiah, as they've seen him 
perform that rescue. Uh, we do read later that there's nations still, and so there's survivors that uh, still come through this uh, time. So you've got mortals like we are now here, but then you also have immortals, us who have believed who he's brought back, who will live for eternity. And we've got the same body Jesus was the first fruit of when he rose from the grave. And so however Jesus was after he ascended, you know, resurrected until the ascension, the ascension, those 40 days, that's us. Uh, I don't know if we have all the features that he had, uh, but we, we, that's us. And so, I mean, it's amazing time that you've got Jesus physically ruling from earth and it's war torn. You've got mortals living who have recognized, the, you know, the Jewish people who's recognized, oh, this is the Messiah. He has saved the day. He, he is who he says he is. And it, it's really what we see with Joseph and his brothers, this reconciliation uh, that, that happens there. And then you have the nations who are in awe of what has happened, and, and you know, they're coming to, to belief. But yet there's, we, we see, uh, I don't have the, the passage, well, we see this in Revelation 20, 21, uh, that the nations come up uh, to celebrate tabernacle with, throughout the millennial kingdom. And so there's people still spread out as immortals. So you get mortals, immortals walking together, um, and we're involved somehow in the rule. And, and then we see everything promised in, in 2 Samuel 7 to David of this restoring the temple that we, we saw Solomon do, but Jesus takes it up a notch. Um, Solomon was known for his building. And so Jesus is going to rebuild, and it, but it's not like this snap the finger, boof, the temple's up. But Jesus, I mean, I love the picture of him, like, holding blueprints, walking around, the, you know, the temple mount. And, uh, and, you know, and, you know, some who are, have survived or are part of this, you know, doing it, immortals are there. And somehow are reigning with Christ. And however that looks like, I think uh, we maybe can touch on that. But so this very real picture, and it's for a thousand years, and it's interesting, and, and again, I, I've, I've kind of jumped ahead of myself or my, my notes, but chase down these verses. Uh, we'll begin to see longevity start happening of the mortal lives. Um, we, we see different, we, we see the lion laying with the lamp, those type passages as we begin to see the child playing with the, the viper, we begin to see possibly that being fulfilled. And, and so it's, this uh, just amazing change as, as Satan's locked up, um, the the spiritual temptation aspect is is gone, the attacks from Satan, and Jesus is leading it, and it's a thousand years. And so, with, with all that said, I, I don't know about you, but you listening, but for me, when I think about heaven, uh, I got to be honest, like most of my life, I just knew it was better than the alternative. I never really got too excited about it. because one, I thought maybe it's an eternal church service, which, you know, I'm a pastor and I, I mean, church is my life, but at the same time, that doesn't sound amazing. I mean, it sounds better than hell, but it's not, doesn't sound amazing. Our eternal family reunion. I love my family, uh, but you know, it's only so many hugs that you can give and uh, pinches on the cheek and those things. Uh, for me, I'm, 
you know, like I said, I'm here in the middle of the, the states. I'm in Arkansas. I like I like the outdoors. And so I think of heaven, just the city life, you know, just the streets of gold and the um, and all of that. Or I think just stop floating on clouds and playing harps type thing. Now, the no more pain, the no more suffering, no more tears sounded great, but just pretty much better than the alternative. But when I really begin to dive into this millennial kingdom aspect, it completely reopened up heaven for me. Uh, and it, it's crazy. We don't make that connection. Even if you're, you're listening, I can't speak for you if you're, if you're listening, watching, or whatever that, but I was uh, watching a pastor I grew up listening to. He's the leading prophecy teacher in this particular denom denomination. Somebody let me know he was going to be teaching, went to hear him, and uh, he started out, laid out the timeline, and I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. And he talks about the millennial kingdom. I'm like, that's it. And then he jumps to talk about how we're going to, you know, after the resurrection and rapture, we'll be with the Lord, we'll be with him forever in heaven. And he goes on and talks about that for 45 minutes. So he, he laid out that there would be this rapture, resurrection, Jesus return, we return with him, millennial kingdom. But somehow he didn't connect. When we talk about eternal life in heaven, that's the millennial, participating in the millennial kingdom. That's not just floating on clouds. That's not just in heaven. And so when we talk about when we die, you know, right now, as we know, our bodies stay wherever they end up after we're gone. Uh, our soul goes to be with the Lord. I think Luke 16 gives us a, a good picture of as we see these two places, a place of torment, the great gulf in between, and uh, uses the phrase Abraham's bosom there. But we, we see the Lord telling the thief on the, the cross about paradise. We see here Paul talking about, you know, absence of the bodies is present with the Lord. So whatever that is, our soul is with the Lord. And so we can say that heaven there. I think that, I mean, that's, that's a fine phrase, but there's stages because when our we're re reunited with our body through the resurrection and we're brought back. What we would say is heaven is now this really real earth. I mean, we can go to the places we are right now. You know, we're going to be, we're going to land in Jerusalem. Uh, we're probably going to be stationed in different places. Um, and I, I pulled that from a, uh, Luke 19, the parable of 10 minas, but maybe we have time to circle back to what, what I mean by that is, but we could physically somewhere in that thousand years probably end up where we are now and, and see that place and be very real. Um, and so that's for a thousand years. And then Satan's let loose, Jesus wins. And then the earth is made new, but we're still, we're here on this new made earth with the new Jerusalem, but then also with wilderness, with nature and those things. And so it's, it's a real tangible thing that's going to happen. So can I ask a couple of questions and make a comment? Jay? Yeah. Hey, as you tell, I'm probably comment, pretty excited about this. I just, just, oh, I <laughs> just kept on like I'm just, I am yeah. too. I, I, I had a misconception once. Yeah. That this is an additional comment from what you said. My misconception was that there would be the millennial kingdom with those that didn't have the mark of the beast and, and overcame by the blood of the lamb. They would have the millennial kingdom and then we would rise at the end. And I really felt like I was going to miss out. <laughs> I thought, this just isn't fair. There's no way this is fair. 
So I was very pleased when I knew that we get to, to take part in it. But my comment is something, too, that made so much sense to me when I realised that it is literally going to be heaven on earth. Literally. Yeah. I mean, the Lord's Prayer. What do we pray? Your kingdom come on earth as it yeah. is in heaven. There can only be one time that it's literally going to be as it is in heaven, and that's when Jesus is coming to rule and reign. So that was another aha moment for me when I realized that actually the Lord's Prayer starts with calling into being the millennial reign and all that's beyond it. But that isn't what I was going to say. I've got talking now, so I'll just say what I was going to say. One thing that made so much sense to me, and I sometimes think that when we think of spiritual things, we lose the practical outworking that Jesus so often has. Now, he created us in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, absolutely perfectly and he created this earth as the perfect environment for us. I mean, he didn't put us on earth and say, well, this is second rate till I give them something better. This was perfection for yeah. us. Yeah. And so when you think that, that, that heaven is coming down to earth, when you think of the millennial reign on earth, it makes sense in that Jesus is restoring us and this world back to the perfection that he originally created it to be. This isn't something new. It's a total restoration. Um, and he didn't say, well, you know what, we all made a mess of that. Let's go and have another go. <laughs> and almost you can put the book of Revelation full circling back to Genesis 1. Yeah, it can. I, and I almost think it's like uh, Hebrew poetry. You know, one of the major tools within Hebrew poetry with parallelism. And so you would, and it, it, we see it a little bit in the English language, but you especially see it in the, the Hebrew. It's, it would tend to be, there would be, so with the poem, let's say there's an A phrase, a B phrase, and then a C phrase. Then there would be a, a phrase after that, that third one or the middle one that would match that B phrase. Uh, and then it would end again with that A phrase. And so Hebrew poetry would, to mirror each other. And a lot of times when we talk about that brings, you know, the center focus in, but it would really book into each other. And so what you're, you're saying and, and exactly right is what we read about uh, ultimately as Jesus comes, the earth made new, we're back in the garden. Uh, and what's so, even more exciting, what's even more exciting, and I will stop in a minute, by the way, don't rush through this. If we need to do a part two, we'll do a part two. Okay. So what, what to me was just like the ultimate, what happened in the Garden of Eden? God walked with us, what, yes. walked with them in the yes. Garden of Eden. What's the ultimate of the book of Revelation? The Father comes down from heaven in the new Jerusalem, and once again, we will be walking with the Father on this earth. I mean, it is just, it is, it is also unbelievable and yet at the same time totally logical if you understand the essence and the values of the father so now i'm going to let you carry on because i get well, as excited as you do and that, <laughs> that is dangerous no and this is it i mean this is uh you know we've got a good mutual friend daniel seckham and i know many listening are familiar with him and uh, the millennial kingdom again is just he he's one of 
the best I've heard talk about some of the details, especially related to the the Feast of Tabernacles and, and those things in relationship to it. And so I've had a couple times just to, I remember uh, uh, he had spoken at an event here in the States. I drove him back to where he was staying and we just were talking in the, in the vehicle. And, uh, and he got so animated to say, and the father will be here <laughs> and the father will be here. And uh, I mean, it is and uh, revelation 22 verse three. Uh, so this is after the millennial kingdom. Uh, this is after once the new Jerusalem has come down this again, this is the wrapping things up as we see eternally. So again, eternal life, we're not floating on clouds. We're not in the spiritual region. We're on this remade earth. It's, it's the garden of Eden, but it's worldwide. Uh, but we also have this amazing city too. Uh, it says no longer will there be any curse. And so again, bookending the curse, uh, the throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will need not need the light of the lamb of the, of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and forever. And that's what it's all coming down to. I mentioned the Hebrew poetry part. So, you know, we, we would say the A part is Garden of Eden, return to that. But we, if you look back and before the flood, the earth seems to be different, right? There, there was longer lifespans. Uh, there, you know, people talk about how, you know, this canopy over the earth and, uh, you know, plant life lived longer, was bigger, animals, all, all that stuff. However, that really played out. But I, I think the millennial kingdom is a sense almost like that pre-flood world um, in a sense that, but it, it's reversed as sin entered in and mankind began to, yeah, I think probably we saw in a, in a sense you, you, you may have, we don't get, really get this information because we know Methuselah lived the longest and he was right before the flood. But you would suspect, because this is what we see in, Society today, as sin increases, longevity of life uh, goes down, diseases come up, all, all these things, is I think in the Millennial Kingdom, you're going to see the reverse of what possibly would happen before the flood, uh, as you see just the blessings of the peace literally brought by the rule of Christ impacting the world physically, not just, you know, as we think spiritually, uh, seeing that play out. But I want to go to my favorite verse about the millennial kingdom, about heaven. So I said my, my view of heaven was, you know, floating on clouds, all these things that didn't seem too appealing. So listen to this fantastic verse. It just talks about heaven. Uh, Ezekiel 39, and I'm going to begin in verse 9. So then though, and to again, set this up. So Ezekiel 38 and 39 uh, talk about the Gog and Magog, Gog, the chief prince, is coming from Magog and a list of other nations. They invade Israel. Uh, a lot of pro modern prophecy teachers put this as a war that happens somewhere in the midst of the, the final seven years or before. I think that's crazy. I think anytime there's a big battle prophetically, uh, we should assume Armageddon unless it's clear it's not. Uh, so I believe Ezekiel 38, 39 talk about Armageddon and the aftermath of that. And so we pick up in the aftermath, verse 9, it says, Then those who live in the towns of Israel will go out. And so this is after the return. This is after Jesus is here on earth. This is after the battle of Armageddon. So this is the mortal residents, the immortals who's come back with the Lord, us, 
Uh, then those who live in the towns of Israel will go out and use the weapons for fuel and burn them up, the small and large shields, the bows and the arrows, the war clubs, the spears. For seven years, they will use them for fuel. They will not need to gather wood from the fields or cut it from the forest because they will use the weapons for fuel. And they will plunder those who plundered them and loot those who looted them, declares the sovereign Lord. On that day, I will give Gog a, a burial place. I think Gog refers to the Antichrist. A burial place in Israel and in the valley of those who travel east of the sea. It will block the way of travelers because Gog and all the hordes will be buried there. So it will call the, be called the Valley of Hamongog. For seven months, the Israelites will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. All the people of the land will bury them. And the day I display my glory will be a memorial day for them, declares the Sovereign, sovereign Lord. People will be continually employed in cleansing the land they will spread out across the land along with others and they will bury any bodies that are lying on the ground after the seven months they will carry out the more detailed search as they go through the land anyone who sees a human bone will leave a marker beside it and grave diggers will bury it in the valley uh, near the town of Haman and so they will cleanse the land yeah. uh, I've always loved sharing this in a, in a, you know, in a church and saying this is my favorite verse about what we're going to do, in you know, in heaven, in the millennial kingdom. Uh, you know, if this is new to you, you know, listening in, uh, did you did you catch it? Because what it's saying is is the residents of Israel, which becomes us, who comes back with the Lord. Um, the first gig that we have in the millennial kingdom is is for seven months we're burying the dead from Armageddon, and then after that we're going to be employed in the land uh, to continually go through, and we're going to mark bodies and mark bones to be buried. And so some may end up on the the burying crew, some may end up in the marking crew, uh, but again, I don't, this isn't the only gig. But I love this because it sounds better than. Dancing on clouds. It sounds better than uh, this is eternal church service. It's real life, real gritty, real life uh, that we will be involved in cleaning up the aftermath of, you know, and, and maybe some of you, you know, your faithfulness is, is so good. You get a, a better gig. You know, you're supervising this. I don't know. But at the same time, this, this is the very real gritty life of the millennial kingdom. So you're uh, telling us that undertakers are prophetic movement. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> uh, actually, let me give you a more of my favorite. Um, well, just before you leave that, something that struck me while you were <laughs> reading it. He says, the day of my return will be a memorial day for them. That mm. There is the Jewish Jesus, because memorials yes. are so inherently Jewish, and it's almost like, I'm thinking, so is this going to be celebrated into into eternity, this burial? Because the day of his return is going to be a memorial. It, it's like, to them. Anyway, yeah. I won't elaborate yeah, no. it, but it's got no, my and, brain and to working. Us, I mean, to us, and I mean, think, we're going to see, not only be with him when he returns, the victory, the locking up of Satan, what, Satan whatever that looks like, however we, we get to see that. But we're going to be there for his coronation. We're going to see Jesus crowned. Uh, we're going to see the temple rebuilt and dedicated. Uh, you know, we we do have evidence of tabernacles being uh, celebrated 
but I mean, luckily we're going to see, you know, participate in all these feasts and a lot of these things are going to be tied into that, I, th- I think as well. I mean, that um, reminds me of this, the hymn. I mean, I've got tears in my eyes. The hymn that says, I don't know if I can say it. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb yes. upon the throne. I mean, it, hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for me and crown him something or another for all eternity. I mean, I can just hear that just blasting out. It's um, it's too much. <laughs> it, it, but it's, it's real. I, I, uh, I the uh, Lord of the Ring movie uh, trilogy that came out, the, the, the final scene of the last one is this crowning of the king, and you've got the world gathered. And it's a picture, I mean, that's just a, a glimpse of what it's going to be like when Christ returned, and you, there's no more of his, you know, his people, you know, accept him, you know, the, the Jewish people. But then this grafting in, is completely apparent because we're brought in with him and we're there uh, with that. So we got the bearing thing, but this is the one I really like. As I said, I, I like the outdoors. Uh, Ezekiel 30, 47, 8 through 10 says, He said to me, this water flows from the eastern region and goes down to Arabia, where it enters into the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water where it becomes fresh, swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Engulam, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of uh, many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, and so this idea that fish are going to be plentiful in the fishing on the uh, then. Um, in Amos, it talks about uh, working vineyards. Um, and many times, Amos 9, where we, it talks about strangers, uh, you know, uh, working the fields and the vineyards of, of Israel. Uh, many point to maybe the restoration that's going now, and I, I think it's a glimpse of that. But ultimately, it's the grafted in Gentiles, re- resurrected, returned to Christ, who's in the field, who, who's working uh, there. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's sci-fi-ish when you think about it, because you've got the immortal, mortal thing uh, happening, uh, but it's also very real. Uh, and, and it's absolutely necessary for the aspect of the fulfillment of the, the covenants. I mean, that's ultimately what this is about. Um, but it's also necessary for just the, the world to understand Christ as king. Because if we, we think about it, he's coming into the worst situation and builds his kingdom. Um, you know, the, the verses about the. Uh, Swords being built into plowshares uh, are being, you know, those, those things like before the uh, uh, United Nations, they've got that statue, yeah. which comes from, from Scripture. Well, the United Nations is never going to pull that off. None of, no one's going to pull that off on this side of Christ, but he will. Uh, he will bring the ultimate peace, and it's going to be in this time. Uh, but still, that's, this is just a glimpse of just how wonderful it's going to be. Um, you know, and we would think 
you talk about eternity, you, you're like, oh, okay, everything's the same forever. Oh, you know, that's better, again, better than the alternative. Uh, but it's not. We've got stages here. Uh, we're going to see the world re- rebuilt. And, and however we're working in that and involved with that, it's just an amazing picture um, for that. Um, what about yeah, that first verse yeah. that people throw in and say, this is why they think that we're then going to float off into the sky. The earth is going to be destroyed by fire and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, that, that is quoted as a like, we might believe in the millennial reign, but then it's all over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you, you do have those. We'll go back to Revelation 20. Uh, I mean, those who somehow... After the millennial kingdom, and I, I believe we have to understand this being the mortals who are alive at that time. Um, verse 7, this is where I left off in Revelation 20. It says, when a thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison, will go out and deceive the nations, the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle in number there like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth, surrounded the camp of God's people, the city of Elabs. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who uh, deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire, burned in sulfur, where the beast and false prophet had been thrown. There will be a uh, tormented night and day forever and ever. And then we go into the uh, great white throne of judgment, where it says those who uh, were lost uh, before, I guess of all time, but, you know, as you mentioned, it's, it's the saved. It's those who have followed Christ who are resurrected before this kingdom. Uh, but following it, at the end, the rest of the dead are resurrected. And this is where we read about the uh, the great white throne of judgment um, being thrown in the lake of fire. And then it goes to verse chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and first earth had passed away. There's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city coming down. But yeah, so, but, but really, uh, I think it's, found in uh you know one of peter's epistles where we i think in second peter three that we read about especially this uh, earth being destroyed by fire and those things but we're immortal i mean we've already made immortal now i don't know if we just you know how, how that how do we, we get removed for a moment come back I, you know i figure the lord's got that figured out uh but i mean yeah that how does that work out and there are some who will talk about uh before the mineral kingdom being when the earth is made new I, I just think that doesn't fit with the promises to Israel and just the, the, the point that Jesus' rule is going to make. I think he, he's going to do it in real time and in the real world. Because we, if the, if the earth is made new, well, we could say, well, that's, you know, it was different. And uh, I don't think it's going to be that that option. And, I, uh, I, my, my, um, my thinking, as I have thought it through, is that fire is purifying Right, and by yeah. the time that happens, the Earth will have been will have been we've done the millennial reign and have gone through it. Is it that then the fire comes? It will not destroy everything that is holy, everything that is pure, everything, but it be the last blast of sin off the Earth. I don't know, but that's yeah. how I've I've logicked it in my in my mind. Yeah, and and, and what is it? So you have what I just read about at the end of the Middle Kingdom, 
those who then follow Satan, which it's all a repeat of Armageddon. It's the exact same language we see in Armageddon, we see in Ezekiel 38, 39. It's, it's all here. So it's all a repeat, the same scenario over again. And this is after sin, Christ's rule for a thousand years. They're destroyed by fire. But if we go back to Ezekiel 38 and 39, it talks about, uh, you know, you know we, we read in Revelation about the, the hellstones and, and kind of brimstone that comes on those at Armageddon. But Ezekiel 38 39, it talks about in the, the coastlands, uh, those who basically maybe those who remain neutral, didn't show up for battle at Armageddon, or even the homelands of these nations uh, being destroyed by fire. And so when we talk about the earth being you know, destroyed by fire, does that, you know, I, I picture this uh, just fireball that goes across the whole globe, uh, or is it just the, you know, destruction of, of individuals? I, I don't know, and I think it probably goes back to, you know, matching the flood and those things, but uh, yeah, we're not given those, those details, but we're definitely, I, you know, we started with saying, and this may have been off the air, that we were talking about just how people will say there's just not much we can know about the millennial kingdom. <laughs> no, that's far from it. There's so much we can know. That there, one struggle is, is a lot of the passages, like I meant the, uh, mentioned the, uh, you know, the child playing with the viper verse. Well, uh, verses like that, what we don't, struggle with is dissecting is this the millennial kingdom is this you know the new heaven new earth i think that's a tricky place in some places some places it, it probably doesn't uh matter but there is so much there and just a couple places as diving out diving off points is if someone wants to study you know the millennial kingdom more uh one understanding the covenants understanding the promises the lord made to israel and how they still need to be fulfilled and i think they're good. I mean, the millennial kingdom is the fulfillment of that. If we want to know what our body is going to be like, learning about Jesus is, you know, just following his post-resurrection life uh, for that time period. I mean, he's called the first fruits of the resurrection. So we would assume uh, what we see in him, we would experience at least to some degree. Um, and then what I think is an amazing point, and I love walking through this, is we we already have had a forerunner of the millennial kingdom happened. Um, and that's Solomon's kingdom. Uh, Solomon's kingdom really mirrors, eh, mirrors not the, the right word, but what we see in that just a brief time period of, of Solomon's kingdom is what we're going to see in the millennial kingdom just exaggerated, just even more so. Um, for one, second uh, Samuel 7, the promise of this eternal kingdom where we, we get this at, uh, it's it's a double-edged promise that it's it's some of it's talking about solomon who's going to build be the one who builds the temple it's going to be the one who is on the throne after david who's going to bring the, the kingdom to its height um all that that happened but when jesus but it's also talking about the ultimate son of david who would come uh, jesus who would ultimately build the ultimate temple who's ultimately going to extend the kingdom but then other places we read about how solomon um, you know, people came from all over the world to hear his wisdom. Um, we also see that same said about the Lord uh, in, in the kingdom. You've got people coming from all over. Uh, I, I love the, the passages. I, I love reading about Solomon's kingdom and the wealth and the, all the things that have been brought over from the world, uh, you know, minus all the wives. All that is going to be uh, just 
a picture of just how grand this millennial kingdom is going to be. But at the same time, it's ultimately all the things Solomon's got wrong is not going to happen. And then it's ultimately, um, you know, it's, it's goes way beyond Solomon's did. Uh, Israel has never held all the land that's promised to them. We, we see those dimensions in, I believe it's Ezekiel as well. Uh, we also see the mention of this temple that we, we believe will be the millennial kingdom temple. All of it, none of that has happened. And so we assume that's going to happen during this millennial kingdom. And I've just thought, as you're speaking, you say Solomon's temple being built, but Solomon didn't plan the temple. David from whom the son of David will come. David planned it. David got the people ready. David set the whole scene from it. Solomon executed the building of the temple. And that's kind of a foreshadowing picture, isn't it? As yeah. David, as Christ, or the son of David comes, he does the planning, he does the... He does the mobilizing. He gets the whole thing going. And we, almost as Solomon, are the ones that are going to execute it and bring it about. I had never seen that before. Well, I, I think it also ties into the millennial kingdom and the coming of, because we know the ultimate, ultimate temple, there's no need for a temple when the, the father himself comes. Uh, and in a sense, you know, David, it says, because you shed blood, uh, Jesus is coming as the warrior. And he's preparing and purifying the world for the Father to, to step into. I tell you what, Jake, let, let's press pause there. Okay. Are you game to do another part? Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like this is just, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I probably pulled you all over the place with my thoughts. I'm probably well, no, take... I, I, I apologize for those listening because it, it really excites me because and, and we I, I gotta add this. Maybe we can tack on a few more minutes. Can we take on a few more minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't want to stop you. I just wanted to pull it to. And please don't apologize. If we have to do thirty-two <laughs> of these, we'll do thirty-two okay. of these. I just because it's so exciting, because it's so inspirational. I don't want you to rush it. And I, I do realize that with my questions, I might have thrown you to the last page before no. the first and everything. But yeah, do do you round this up as you wish. Well, and then we will have a, a part two or however many following this yeah so i i do i teach through this through a series a conference i do or seminar i do called uh heaven must be better he <laughs> heaven is better than we can imagine and uh, i was doing this event and so i was speaking multiple nights at a church in a conference and uh you know most of it was about um you know of end times things and uh, the last night, they, they come to me and says, Jake, we're going to have a special night for our, our students, uh, our kids, our teenagers. Uh, we're going to get them pizza, and you're going to let you preach. And I'm like, oh, poor guys. I mean, they, you know, they're going to – that's not going to be that exciting for them. And praying about it, uh, I, I saved this message, so I kind of took it out of order for what I normally do, and I shared that that night. And, uh, you know, still it's like, you know, I mean, this is, I think this is fabulous, but how, how does this connect so much? Uh, I had a 17-year-old guy. Uh, come up to me afterwards and uh, he pulled me aside he said uh, Jake I can't, I can't thank you enough for tonight for the first time Christ living for him all that became real um, he said I, I was you know, grew up in church I 
faithful, but I've really gotten away. I actually hadn't been in a long time. Um, it's the, the star athlete in town. Is, and uh, it was amazing because talking about the Mono Kingdom and just the realness of it really solidified to him how real it is in his life today. And you know, I think one of the missions that we have with, with Stand Firm and our Stand Firm Kids and Parents Initiative, uh, we've got our, our book, Jesus and His White Horse. Uh, we are working right now. One, another picture book's being done. I can't tell, but it tells a little more of the story at that, that point. Um, and we've also working on, uh, it's nearly being done. I got this nearly done. Uh, the, the next age group of children's chapter book on the return of, of, of Jesus. And all, and of both of those, we talk about him being king. We talk about his being kingdom. And I really think by not telling our kids this, you're not telling that you know us this, but then not telling our kids this. We're missing out on one of the bigger motivating factors because we we make heaven so vague. Uh, you know, we we talk about it. You know, in terms of we go no. You know, it's just gonna it's it's gonna be good. It's gonna be all these things, but it, we can go to the text and we can really see what's going to unfold and and our role in it which i think is is phenomenal that's something we didn't even talk about maybe we can talk about in the next segment hmm. but just how motivating it is for our life and and i mean we have these conversations in my home um you know, our kids, when they talk about heaven, they're talking about Jesus ruling and they're talking about, you know, when they're on earth again and, and all these things that are very real, very scriptural. And, and really, if we went back in time, we went in that first century to a degree, most people would have seen the kingdom like that. Now we know there was divisions. We've, we had the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection, who really were the, the modern day, uh, you know, spiritualists or symbolics uh, of today who didn't see the supernatural within in scripture. Uh, but for the most part, there was, was this understanding of this very real, tangible kingdom. And it's going to happen. And it's really something to be so exciting. Uh, you know, I we don't know our lifespan here. Uh, you know, what's it maxing out? 80, 75, 80, whatever life, 85, whatever lifespan is. Um, you know, at the max, maybe make it a hundred, a little past that. And that's in this glimpse of just what the age to come is. And we're talking about living just for a thousand years on earth with Jesus ruling, getting to do that with him and be involved in all that. I mean, we, we know how wonderful it is just to be a part of his work now. Uh, but when we can see him, when we can get the directives directly from him, however that or at least close to directly from him, and really being a part of that kingdom for a thousand years, and when it's all said and done, the thousand year part, the party's actually just getting started and it lasts for eternity, and it's on earth, it's Garden of Eden Earths. You know, maybe we get our chance to walk with the Father in the cool of the day as Adam and Eve did. And so really, if we can break this down and be real about it, I think it's just so motivational to our faithfulness now. Well, I'm blown away. I think I said to you before the beginning, I'm just going to let you roll this out. <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't do very well about that because you were just sparking me off. And I'm sure you'll be sparking people off in their groups and everything as they've listened to it. It's just amazing. And I am excited for part two. Um, 
And thank you, Jake. Thank you so much for inspiring me, for inspiring others. And our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode. If it inspired you, please rate us and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or another podcast platform.